Did you ever think of being resilient? Resilient. And that's the title of the message today, and it's found in Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, and most often, what's that? Okay, resiliency, okay, it's a, it's a watchword at the, at the school districts, all right, so that uh, the, the teachers and the students, you know, being flexible, being resilient, pull back into shape, all those types of things. So, um, in this message that uh, Jesus is giving here on the Sermon on the Mount, he really is talking about being resilient, seeing something as one way and then seeing it as another, and he wants us to look at life, view life, from his perspective and from the perspective that he is presenting. So here in Matthew chapter 5, we'll be reading from the Message Bible. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. So, resilient, see things one way, but this is really how they are. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you embrace, be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're counted with just, with, with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. And that's the primary scripture for our our message today. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's the King James Version. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when you're committed to God, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they do not like it, I do. And that all the heavenly applause, and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. So, blessed are ye when you do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you shall be filled. And I like verse 8, other as a primary text. You are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. So, The challenge then, I think, as we look at the Beatitudes, as we look at these blessed situations, we look at them in such a way that we see things one way, but when God touches our life, when God works in our life, and God works through the promises in our life, we see things differently. So in our Sunday school lesson, we talked about 
you know, our eternal home in heaven, and that Jesus Christ, his principles, you know, our heavenly principles are being lived out in today's life because he's here with us. So Christ begins his Sermon on the Mount with blessings. He begins his sermon with, with his blessings. For he came into the world to bless us. <laughs> you know, the primary purpose of Christ's coming was to give us life, to give it abundantly. He wanted, he came to bless. Now, if I were to ask you, you know, we've, we've sung maybe uh, before the, the song, Count Your Blessing, it's in the hymnal, you know, it's, it's one of those uh, old songs, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one, you know, and, see, and count your many blessings, see what God has done. So if I ask you to list your blessings, list your blessings, what would they be? You know, do we have a list of them? And whenever, if I ask us to list the wrong things in our life, <laughs> maybe we could make that list a little more quicker. You know, I can tell you what's wrong. Well, can we tell ourselves what's right? Blessed are you whenever you don't have this because you do have. Blessed are you when you don't have because you do have. <laughs> Blessed are you when you don't have because you do have. So we look at this that some things may look like they are failures, but are they really a failure or are they preparation for what we already have that is counted as a blessing? You see, Jesus is he in whom all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So if we're looking for blessings, we're going to find them in Christ. In Christ, we are going to find true riches in our world. He came not only to purchase blessing for us, but to pour it out and pronounce. And this is, this is, this is um, a pronouncement. Jesus came to pronounce blessing. Okay? If you were pronounced at... Uh, um, well, if you were pronounced dead, you'd be dead, right? <laughs> I, I pronounce all of you living. Why? Because you're all alive. <laughs> all right? If I pronounce, you know, you, that you are going to be blessed beyond measure and be, and, and be uh, able to see, see God's hand moving upon your life, if I pronounce that, it means that I am conveying this upon you. Well, Jesus came to convey blessings to our life. He came to pronounce these blessings, pour them out onto us. And he does it as one having authority. You know, I don't have the authority uh, to pronounce certain things. And, in, 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 you know, I cannot have to pronounce, I don't have the authority to write you up a ticket and say, I pronounce that you need to go to jail and pay a fine. You know, I don't have that authority. But Jesus has the authority to pronounce blessings. He has the authority to pronounce them and bestow them because he purchased them to give us. He purchased these things to give to us. The gospel begins with, um, <laughs> with blessings. That he's, the gospel begins that we should inherit these blessings. They're part of what God has to bless us with. Okay? These are the things we inherit. Okay, we inherit. Anyone ever received an inheritance? I did. When my mom died, she didn't have very much, but uh, she left, she, we got about, uh, I think around $2,000 inheritance. 
And I knew what my mother would want me to buy, so I went and got it in her behalf. <laughs> you know, my vacuum that I have to, to suck up all the leaves in my yard, you know. I knew my mom wanted me to have that, so I took the inheritance that I got from my mom and I went out and bought a leaf vacuum. Because my mom wanted me to have that. <laughs> So in our lives, we have been pronounced blessing, and God has the authority to bestow that on us, and that's our inheritance. Now, the general opinion, lifestyles of the rich and famous, you know, that TV show? The general opinion is, blessed are the rich and the great and the honorable in this world. For the rich spend their days in laughter, their years in pleasure, they eat the fat of the land and drink the finest and carry all their pleasures with them in their yachts and their planes and, and all the things that they do. And happy are the people who have such things. They covet, they take, and they don't give. So blessed are the rich, for they have everything. <laughs> and that's kind of like a general opinion, you know. Look what the rich and famous have. They have the yachts and they have the helicopters and they have the airplanes. And, and you know, my uh, cousin... He, he flies uh, for a sheik in Saudi Arabia. And um, he flies, I think it's a 737. You know, it's no little private, no little, you know, Piper engine car. This is a 737. And the sheik owns it. And he flies them all over the world. They go to Paris for, for lunch, you know. They, go, they come to the United States to go to New York City, you know, just to go shopping. And this sheik is extremely wealthy. I mean, you know, he has his own hangar, he has his own pilots, he has his own, <laughs> has his own section of an airport. So this guy, you know, this is the lifestyle of the sheik and famous. But what about to those who have nothing? Now, who is Jesus speaking to? He is speaking to this crowd or the, this group that followed him the furthest up the hill, and he's talking to them, and they know what it's like. You know, whenever we hear, we hear the, the, the psalm that says, uh, give us this day our daily bread, you know, the prayer. You know, give us this day, you know, the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. They would understand that because they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have something. If you wanted to eat, basically you had to catch it, grow it, grind it, prepare it, and put it together and have a meal. So give us this day our daily bread was a great provision that people were going to eat today. And they, they, they knew what that was going to be like. So whenever we look at our lives, we are really blessed. And Jesus has come to, to challenge that fundamental error that life is for the rich and famous. Because even at the time of uh, Jesus and, and, and the time uh, Roman emperors and things, what was going on? They, the, they had these uh, servants, and they had these slaves. They had these sumptuous meals. They had people preparing things for them. You know, there was, Jesus was challenging all of that. So Jesus came to give us another notion of what being blessed is. Of what being blessed is not about the rich and famous. Being blessed is about the ordinary and the privileges that we have as we serve God. The gospel is for all people. The gospel is for all. And even the least in the kingdom of heaven, those whose heart was upright with God, was happy in the honors and privileges of the kingdom of heaven. 
those who are least in the kingdom of heaven have the same privileges that the, the, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven as the prophets. And, and we look at that, and he said, blessed are you. Why? Because God is the one who is the author. He purchased these blessings, and he says, okay, they're yours. They're yours, and he wants to bestow them upon us. And um, the significance is that Christ pronounced these blessings at the beginning. Okay? This is the blessing that God is going to bestow upon you for the, starting today for the rest of your life. You know? That we don't have to wait until we die to collect in heaven, that we are blessed because Jesus Christ is in our heart and in our lives. He has forgiven us of our sins, meaning that all of yesterday's failures no longer can entangle our feet, our mind, our thoughts today because they've been forgiven. Yesterday's failures are gone, and God's purpose is beginning in our life and renewed every day. So the blessings have come, and so as we look at this, Jesus is beginning this by telling people how blessed they are. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. <laughs> you've bl you're blessed when you've lost what's most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. You're blessed when you care for others. You see, we would look at this and say, well, those aren't blessings. Those are just things that are part of life and that happen, and what, what makes that so special? Well, we're poor in spirit, meaning that we're bankrupt in spirit. And, and why do we need to recognize that we're bankrupt in spirit in, in, in our spirit? Because we're not going to do this on our own. We're not going to be this fantastic Christian, this fantastic prophet, this fantastic person in God, because it doesn't, it doesn't begin with us, it begins with God. And that his spirit comes into our spirit and witnesses with us that we are a child of God. That you and I, God confirms through our minds and heart, we belong to him. We belong to Jesus. And when I belong to Jesus, I inherit that which Jesus has given to me. And so it's not about me making it in the kingdom of heaven. You know, I'm going to make it in this life. I'm going to make it in the kingdom of heaven. And God is saying, you're going to make it, but it's going to be by my spirit, not by yours. See, when it's all said and done... <laughs> If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He will quicken you. And the, the quickening of the spirit of God is that life-changing, life-rearranging, life-glorifying God part of who we are. So, we were lost, now we're found. We were poor in spirit, but now we are rich because we have spiritual blessing. We were weak, now we are strong. The Spirit of Christ comes to overflow in our lives and it is, it is this Spirit of God working in us. So, Job, he was considered poor in spirit when he blessed God in taking away as well as in giving. <laughs> you know, I don't think she likes my sermon. 
<laughs> that's all right. Oh, uh, yeah, that's all right. I, I'm, I'm, glad to, I'm glad she's here. And I'm glad her mom's here, too. Yes. But we, 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 we are grateful for how God then has a work that he does in our life. We're grateful for how the God has a way of bringing his spirit into our hearts and minds. And it's this, the contrast is that we would declare that Paul, Paul was rich. We would say, Paul, you know, Paul the apostle, he's rich. Why? Because look at all the things he did. Look at the great things he had. Look at the gifts that he manifests. Yet Paul says <laughs> that he is the least of the apostles, the least of all the saints, and nothing in his own account. You see, this poor in spirit and rich in spirit, it is us, it is to look with a holy understanding of ourselves. What is the holy understanding? Without God, we're lost. With God, we're found. Without God, our sin rules our life, our failures harbor, and we have, you know, all, but with God, our sins are forgiven. A holy account of our life is that while we were yet in our mother's womb, God had a plan for us. So God has a purpose for our life. So as we begin to put this holy account into perspective, we begin to see that no matter how poor we are, we're rich in Christ. No matter how lost we are, we're found. And no matter how difficult the end of our rope, no matter how difficult it is, that's okay, because in Christ, he's going to give us direction. So we have this inheritance that has come into our life through Christ. They are blessed, for they are like the Lord Jesus who was a man of sorrows, and he saw the bigger picture of the lost humanity, and he wept. But he saw the picture of how, what was going to happen, and how it was going to happen, and how that he was going to bring blessing into our life. We are comforted. Though perhaps <laughs> there may not be immediate comfort, although there may be sorrows that come into our life, yet there is provision for our comfort. There is provision for our hope. So this is the inheritance that God has given us. Divine provision. We have to look at it. I'm, uh, you know, how would we describe where we're at at this moment in our life? Uh, I'm... I'm working, I'm not working, I have family, I don't have family, I need this, I have that. We would look at these things and we would say different things. But how would we take that very same thought and say that I am here now, blessed, difficulty, and then how would I transfer that same here I am with my problem, my difficulty, and how would I bring in that blessing that says, though I'm at the end of my rope, it's here that I find God. That here I am without, but here is God with. And we are focusing on how that God then is going to bring about these things in our life. I was, I was reading, and where I, came, where I came up with the idea of resilience is that Scott Peck, the author of The Road Less Traveled, writes, it's in meeting and solving problems that we grow mentally and spiritually. It's in meeting and solving. What is Jesus telling us here in this sermon? We're meeting and solving. Meeting and solving. Let me read these scriptures again. 
You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Meeting and solving. These, this is part of, of coming together, and he says that it's in meeting and solving problems that we grow mentally and spiritually. So Jesus is he's not telling us to deny that these things exist. He's telling us to look at them. You're at the end of your rope. Good. Why? Because then there's more of God and his rule in your life. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. What? I'm blessed only that you can be embraced by the one most dear to you. Jesus is the one who comes and is most dear to us. So as we face these difficulties, faith is not denial. Faith is substance. Faith is real because we believe the word that Jesus has spoken to us. So we find it here and, and as this um, Scott, Peck wrote, Scott Peck wrote, it's in meeting and solving problems that we grow mentally and spiritually. Wise people learn not to dread, but to welcome problems. What? Wise people welcome problems? Because it is in the welcoming and we see the face value of what things are, we as Christians then see another value. That comes alongside of it. And we get to choose what we are going to believe in. We're going to believe in the failure or the problem, or we're going to believe in the, in the promise and the provision. <laughs> promise and provision. So we come to God to see the promise and the provision. And who is Jesus writing to? He's writing to these people. They're sitting around him. Excuse me, who is Jesus speaking to? Uh, he's speaking to the people that they don't have they don't have provision for tomorrow's meals. They don't have transportation to the next city. They don't know where their next meal's coming from. They just have to go and find it and scavenge it up. And they don't have a pocket full of money. They have very little of this world's goods. And they're following Jesus, and Jesus is giving them hope that you're blessed when you care for people. What? Because at the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. As you care for people, sometimes caring for people can be very difficult. But Jesus is telling whenever you're caring for people and you are full of caring for people, you'll find yourself cared for because God is there with you. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete. Hmm. A sociologist who studied resilience says, it's the ability to bounce back, tell us that people handle trauma in, in two ways. Okay, the, This sociologist says we handle tra trauma in two ways. One, you either give up because you're afraid or you grow up by developing the capacity to handle it. We give up or we grow up or change. And I mean growing up means uh, growing in our ability to deal with it. So the growing in our ability to deal with it is the message of faith. The message of faith comes to give us the resilience to continue on and to expect an outcome that God has promised that would come into our life. 
So whenever we are resilient in our faith, we are believing that the difficulty is not the end, but the promise that God accompanies that difficulty is the direction we're going. Now, we've all failed at this, and you know I've failed at it a number of times, but that doesn't mean we quit. Getting up one more time than you fall down is success. It isn't the ability not to fall. It's the ability to get up. That's success. And the person who is successful one more time than he fails, that's your success. It's not the ability to keep from failing. So what makes the difference? Instead of being the victim, <laughs> resilient people are the victor. Resilient. Victor. It takes, it takes change to bring into our life. Refusing to relinquish our values. Refusing to give up on the hope that is in our heart. Because the hope that is in our heart is something that God has placed there. And the hope of God's word is what is our resilience. And as we look at it, blessed are they who um, have worked up a good appetite for God. The resilience is, <laughs> how many are hungry for lunch? <laughs> uh, how many times a day does that come? Lunch comes to at least four times a day. How many people are hungry for lunch? Well, in our spiritual man, there is a hunger and appetite for things to continue to be brought into our lives. You know, um, what was it? The, the one, one guy was saying, um, my faith doesn't work. I've given up on it. Well, he says, faith is like taking a bath. You need to do it every day. <laughs> You know, that you need to bring it into your life every day. You can't, I took a bath last week. Do I need one this week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I prayed last week. Do I need to pray this week? Yeah. Well, I read my Bible. Do I, I read it last week. Do I need to read it this week? Yeah. <laughs> you know, do I need to get up today? I got up yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something, the resiliency is that we keep on going. And the failure is, well, I did it once. Isn't that enough? What one thing, you know, we look at the things in our life, it is, it is a constant renewal. A constant renewal. Whether, you know, no matter what the relationship is, it is a constant renewal. So, <laughs> like this other guy, he says, Nolan Evan, Noel, Noel Evans says, challenge is a dragon with a gift in its mouth. Challenge is a dragon with, his, with a gift in its mouth. It produces a pattern that's hard to break whenever we see things and don't see the blessing with them. Challenge is a dragon with a gift in its mouth. Well, a dragon we need to be afraid of because it breathes fire, right? But it's got a gift. It's fire. And as we look at our life and we look at the difference, as we develop an appetite for God, we begin to seek God godly things in the difficulties. We begin to seek God. The end of the rope, I'm seeking God for what? More of the rope. There's this guy. This is a joke. <laughs> okay, tell you that now. This guy, he, he's walking at night, you know. He can't see where he's going. He falls over a cliff. And not over you, Cliff, but he falls over a cliff. All right. He falls over a cliff, and he's hanging there by a rope, and, you know, the end of a, a vine, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know what's going on. So he says, God, God. And, and, and I need help. And God says, yeah, I'm here. Oh, God, is that you up there? Yeah, that's me. 
God, get me out of this. He says, oh, just let go. The ground's only two feet away. You're almost there. It's just two feet away. He's hanging on. God, but won't, why don't you pull me up? He says, no, have faith, let go. And the guy hangs there for a while and he says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> is there anybody else up there? That's another cheesy preacher joke. <laughs> My friend from, uh, from uh, hospice is here. And he says, why do preachers always have cheesy jokes, you know? So that's what he told me. And I was telling him one of my, that's another one of my cheesy jokes. But anyhow, we are like that. God, is there somebody else up there? And yet, and God is saying, have faith. So do we let go or do we look for somebody else? An appetite, hunger and thirst for God. An appetite that looks for the resources of God in the difficulties of life. Hunger and thirst is that our appetite will determine the direction that we seek. If you're hungry for pizza, you're going to seek out a pizza parlor. <laughs> if you're hungry for steak, you're going to seek out a steakhouse. If you're hungry for seafood, you're going to seek out a seafood house. Fun place that has good what you're looking for. If we are hungry for God, we are going to seek out that which we are hungry for and in the scripture jesus is telling us when you hunger and thirst for righteousness you won't be disappointed with what the provision gives you with the provision that god gives you that's our challenge to seek after righteousness to seek after godliness and allow god's promises to be incorporated into our life so that when we reach the end of our rope when we face the difficult moments, when we have the difficult problems that we have to deal with, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the truth of God comes into our life and we find the strength that we need, the hope that we need, the purpose, the direction that we need. God is there. And we're hanging on. Is anybody else up there? <laughs> Can somebody else help me? Or, God, I believe. We'll see what happens. Um, I don't know if I told this story or not. David Michael, our son, whenever he, when he was climbing, he was a rock climber, and there was this person with him, and, and I know I've said this before, but it, it goes with the story. Um, <laughs> Jenny, well, a number of people had rock climbed up and down. You know, David was belaying them, and they're climbing up the face and back down the face of the this hill, and they go up and down. David had climbed up, and then, put the rope up there and then came back down and he was belaying these people up and down. Well, um, four or five of them had gone up and then Jenny, his wife, now his wife, uh, he had just really met her, known her maybe a few weeks, and uh, Jenny went up and came back down. And what happened? Ran out of rope. She fell about six feet, ten feet, broke her, shattered her ankle and, and everything. He had to carry her out of the woods and the first time he met Jenny's parents was in the emergency room after he dropped their kid, their daughter. <laughs> now, how did that happen? How do you climb up and down, use the same rope, climb up and down the face of the mountain, this hill, and for five people, and then the sixth person, the rope's too short? God shortened the rope. <laughs> no. The rope was, it was elastic, whatever. It has elasticity in it, resilient. And it, 
went back to its original length, when someone who is 90 pounds hangs on it, <laughs> it doesn't stretch. And they ran out of rope. And that's how he met his wife. <laughs> when you reach the end of your rope, have you reached the point of God's provision? God's divine direction in your life came when they ran out of rope. Was it a blessing or a curse? At the moment, it has to be a curse. This can't be right. This can't work. But that's how he met her. Really, got come to know, because, he, you know, all, the whole process took on a whole different route after that. And they've been married 10, 12 years. <laughs> I don't know. But um, so when you reach the end of your rope, it doesn't mean that it's over. Sometimes this is where we begin. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be fed. Shall we stand? So, Father, we are grateful. <laughs> How can we say thanks for all the things that you have done? Things that, were, that you've done for us are so undeserved but yet you care to give your life for us. It's a familiar old song, but it's the truth. God, you gave so much for us. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts to be receptive of what you want to do in us because reaching the end of our rope is really where our life begins because it's not about our success. It's about your Spirit abiding within us richly. Let us hunger and thirst after you, O Lord, we pray. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, and don't forget to take an evangel as you go.